They seek power when they don't know love. Welcome back, everyone, to With Joe Eby podcast. If you're with us yesterday, we talked we talked about the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic drives and motivations and reasons for doing things. Hint, one comes from the inside, the internal. The other comes from the external and the outside. You can figure that out. Uh, how'd you go, by the way, yesterday with figuring out what your intrinsic and extrinsic drives were? Did you reflect on that? You're supposed to. Today, I want to talk about five downsides of extrinsic drives. I want to talk about five downsides because it's very common to get caught up in these. People will, it won't be hard to identify them, but people will fail to identify them because they want to uphold a narrative and story about their life now. So what you're best served doing, if you're listening to this, as I'm going to do when I actually go through it, is not assume that you're immune to them. We're all susceptible to them. It's part of being human. Uh, you're not impregnable. You're not necessarily a rock star. All right? We all we all know very little. Just remember that. And uh, it goes for me too. I'm definitely included. I've, I've got cold hard evidence of that. So let's remove the assumptions. Think about these and reflect on them clearly. And then think about what we can do about it. Now, hmm, to start with, I want to talk about, I guess I'm going to make a, a distinction here about the difference between a career entrepreneur and maybe like an impact or a problem-solving focused entrepreneur, just as a useful example to run these five downsides through. So I think of a career entrepreneur as someone who wants to, wants the glory and prestige and the image of having set up maybe a really successful, powerful business. And it's a good example because entrepreneurship is very glorified these days. So the typical, maybe if you're going to be, if you're going to outline the stereotypical entrepreneurial career, it's, you know, hustle hard, make a business now, sell out for lots of money and get lots of credibility from that. And then be able to not have to work and create things, but just be able to invest and leverage, you know, your money rather than your time to, to further your wealth and income, but also status and pedigree and idea of yourself. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. But then I think about the opposite, which is the problem-solving focused or impact-focused entrepreneur who is someone who wants to solve a problem, someone who cares about something because it really resonated with them. Maybe it was a problem they had, you know, Sarah Blakely Spanx, right? Had the problem herself, uh, undergarments, not something I pretend to understand as a man, inadequate undergarments for women, but, you know, scratching her own itch. Turned into an incredible big business, sure, but was scratching her own itch. Elon Musk, for example, is in a position where he could just invest in businesses and make heaps of money. Uh, but he actually chooses to run really complicated and stressful <laughs> projects. And maybe it's for the uh, just the idea so he can look at himself as a savior for humanity. But I think he's kind of, I think he's on the, on the right path and, and chasing maybe some really noble things that obviously resonate with him, doing what he sees is best. And so it can be very different. It doesn't matter necessarily what you're doing. You can take any example, being a lawyer for prestige or being a lawyer because you care about the law. And the problem is most people are just going to tell themselves they just they care about the law. You no, know, no one you ask is going to say no. I just want the prestige of being a lawyer, right? And people are never that honest with you because if they were that honest, they wouldn't be doing it because they'd be do they know they're doing it for the wrong reason. So this is why you know remove the assumptions. So what are the downsides for doing it things for more extrinsic rewards like 
image and things like that. So first problem I alluded to in the last episode with the metaphor of the orchestra is when you're trying to please the crowd and fit through their goalposts, one single, simple, uh, one set of goalposts to aim for doesn't exist because everyone wants different things. So catering to the masses is doomed to fail. But also, if, the, if their opinion changes where you have to aim moves to, the goalposts get moved, you'll have to go with the goalposts if you care about it. For example, if you only care about, um, what's the best example? If you only care about, well, let's talk about money or praise, right? So the things you can do to get money right now, say it's a trend that you're jumping on, right? Say it's uh, whatever, snake oil, or say it's um, social media, it doesn't matter what it is. If you care about money, but then suddenly you're, there's heaps of competition, right? There's all these other different businesses in the space. There's all these other people jumping on the movement before you, but you, you're there to care about money and not solving a problem. Then you have to move on and find something else, right? And if it's praise, if it's something that people praise you for and you do it because of their praise, but then they stop praising you. And that was the, that was the study we talked about, like giving kids rewards for drawing. So if the kids care about the reward, once the reward stops, they'll stop doing the thing. Right, so it's pretty simple. So if people move the goalposts, you have to move too, which is chaos. Second downside is short-term thinking. So when you're chasing an extrinsic reward, extrinsic rewards are normally outcomes, which means they come at the end of thing. They're a line in the sand. Not necessarily all of them, because maybe they can be maintained, uh, but they, they certainly tend to be very short-term things. Right. So for example, if you want money, Right? If you want to be filthy rich, right? you're most likely to take the shortest route possible to becoming rich. The irony is that the best way to become rich comes through patience and long-term thinking. I'm not saying this because I'm financially rich at this point in time, but it's pretty easy to observe for anyone who has access to the internet and a few books. So the problem is, if you have to delay gratification, they call it, which is, put off making some money now and cashing in for more money later. For example, if you want to buy luxury, if you want to buy a Ferrari or whatever, a couple of years into a business, you're taking away money that could be reinvested into the business to make more money later on. So the whole irony is, is that the worse your delayed gratification, that is the more you actually like money itself and not the other things involved, the harder it will be to make long-term compromises. And when you, when you look at a lot of the scams and stuff like that that have happened, a lot of it comes from short-term thinking. People who are really after extrinsic outcomes are much more short-term in their thinking because they want to get directly to an object, a very uh, shallow thing. The problem is when, those, when the substance behind and how you can get those things changes, the whole dynamic shifts, right? Because it's much more about hopping on trends because we want to get rich now. The problem is trends don't last. That's why they're trends. They all go through an evolution cycle. None of them last. So it's super interesting. Uh, and I guess you can kind of diagnose yourself with that if you're frustrated, if you're impatient about success and how fast things are happening to you. You might be in things for the wrong reason. And certainly, sometimes I felt like that probably through, I think through everything I've done, to be honest, with the exception of probably from the ground up, which is non-profit based. So... It normally always felt like it was in the right direction. 
But yeah, certainly everything I've done, I've probably fallen back into that mode of thinking at some point, just to be honest, from the podcast to real estate to everything. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not pretending to have solved all these. Number three is six out of 10 life. So this builds on number two. And uh, six out of 10 life, I'm not sure if I made a podcast on it, but I've definitely written about it on the blog. <laughs> and uh, it's this whole idea of the life that's kind of okay, not so bad that you're going to change everything you're doing, but it's not great. And I think maybe even more than six out of 10 life, I'd talk about the pleasure treadmill. And they often go hand in hand, the pleasure treadmill episodes 14 to 15. And pleasure is short term sporadic, right? Going to a rock concert doesn't make you feel happy the next day. Right? And orgasm is a very short moment in time and it's over. All right? And, you know, it's, it, the, if you haven't had one in a while, it'll be more pleasurable. So this is the way all pleasure, drugs and everything works. We're homeostatic. Right? That's what we explained with the pleasure treadmill. So when you're caught on the pleasure treadmill, you only get things that make you feel good for a, a very short while. And then you go back to this very 6 out of 10, not ideal baseline. And when you've only got extrinsic things fulfilling you, they normally struggle to provide ongoing fulfillment. So the downside is, number three, this whole six out of 10 life pleasure treadmill low because of the short-term thinking, you're trying to get fruits that everyone else is contesting for. Number four is waking up with dread and wasting your life. <laughs> so if you're living on a pleasure treadmill, just think about it. And you know we all get into that headspace every now and then, six out of 10 life, very common, nothing to be ashamed about. All right, we all go through lulls and we can kind of journal and reflect and talk to people and kind of unpack it and then move out of it again. And as you get better at it, those periods last sh are shorter and shorter. Then you think about it, any, any time spent on majorly short-term thinking and living on a pleasure treadmill and experiencing six out of 10 life is just time wasted. If you do it for 10 years and you're gonna live to 90, that's more than, way more than 10% of your life you've spent chasing the wrong rewards. It's time you can't get back. So that should be incentive to then think critically about the extrinsic rewards. Number five is that, uh, and the worst, is that things which uh, pursue ex extrinsically, which are normally very shallow, are viral and contagious. They breed other people. I'll give you a very good example. If you think about Instagram influencers, for example, so and say good-looking Instagram influencers, because that's pretty common. So the person who relies on that external validation of getting likes, etc., on social media to uphold an image of themselves, as a, in this example, good-looking person, relies on a constant pleasure treadmill. So they require that idea to be perpetuated over and over. So they need to keep posting keep posting and keep putting themselves out there and hopefully people keep liking and liking and they get more followers etc the problem with that is the pleasure treadmill so it's it's homeostatic so the first time right is is really enjoyable but then after that each reward is a diminishing return which means it doesn't feel as good the same effort doesn't feel as good and it's like getting addicted to a drug you start to adapt to the drug so you need more and more of the drug to deliver the same high you've you've had and been used to and that's the way our homeostatic pleasure kind of sensitivity works sets and uh you know good looking people are not immune to it just because they're good looking trust me i know and so <laughs> but then the problem and the virality and the contagious part of this is that putting that out there excessively makes other people feel 
insecure about themselves makes them feel less good looking because they compare themselves to that and then they feel insecure and they need to do something to then get validation and uh that's where you start to see you know you can learn a lot about people from their instagram bio and how many um pics they they put up posing and in their bikini or six facts on a beach i wrote a blog about that how to diagnose people's insecurity from their instagram page it's uh it's at first funny but then actually very sad thing to actually do when you when you when you reflect on it and you know because why would people push it so hard if they didn't need the validation from it if it was an important part of their image and they can start out it doesn't mean they're not genuine people doesn't mean they're not good people it means that they kind of get hooked they kind of get hooked but it's viral it's the cycle perpetuates the good-looking people that are self-content and you know um, and you know assuming they don't need to post a lot because it maybe they don't use instagram for business and all that they're not putting stuff out there it's the same as the financially wealthy people who are wealthy but just happy so they're not putting stuff out there all the time to try and attract to try and let people know how wealthy they are they're not throwing things in your face like fancy cars and uh you know selling online course after online course and all these things and being real loud but the the insecure people who are chasing validation, praise, and want a better image of themselves and status. Status is very extrinsic. They need it. They need attention to uphold that and get that reward. So they're loud. They're out there. So they're viral because they make other people aspire to what they have, even though it doesn't fulfill them. You just got this terrible, terrible cycle perpetuating all through Western society in particular, which is tragic. Which is super tragic. So the, the quote I opened with, they seek power and they don't know love, is a quote I heard Mike Tyson say on a podcast once. I think it was on Joe Rogan. And it's this idea that in lieu of the intrinsic and good rewards in life, feeling fulfilled, family, love, community, being able to work on your interests, being able to serve others and all the others, all the other good rewards that are actually on offer that people might miss because they're not as sexy and seductive not as glorious from the outside. They're not shiny objects that everyone grabs. Uh, all those things, when they're not on offer, people ch uh, people are kind of more susceptible to chasing these inferior second-tier bottom-shelf extrinsic rewards. That's simple. But the extrinsic uh, is, is often, I find, very contagious and viral especially with social media because it's more of a distribution mechanism for that than it is for intrinsic rewards. Now, final piece I'll close on is what I call the law of ensuement, which is just, ensuement is not even a word, but it's built on the word ensue, but I just made that up because Shakespeare made up words, so so can I. And the law of ensuement is that the great things in life cannot be pursued directly. They, they're best found indirectly. So it's the whole directness and the short-term thinking, which is often the trap. If you want to find a partner and you go about it too aggressively, you come across as needy and you scare people off. If you desperately want to be rich and want money, you won't be able to delay the gratification and find a way to create value or perceived value that will enable you to really build up any significant wealth. Uh, if, you know, if, you want, if your whole goal is to do a TED Talk and get widespread respect, 
well, if you're so focused on the TED talk, you'll compromise so much to actually get there and you won't actually have a good message. You'll have probably no message. You know, that's a tool for doing things. That's not, that's not an achievement. Or it's a bullshit achievement. So the law of ensuement. All good things must be pursued indirectly. Do good work and be naturally rewarded for it. Genuinely meet people and you'll find people you can love on all sorts of levels. But it's the law of ensuement. Don't want those things directly. Learn how to chase the intrinsic. Make that the priority. And then the right extrinsic rewards will find you. But when you get them, they won't even mean as much to you. And that's why the wealthy people, financially wealthy people, who make a real, um, sorry, who are actually really content with their lives as they are, that's why they don't need to go showboat it because they don't fucking care. That's enough for one day. We're going to keep talking about this theme more and following podcasts. Remember, it's a daily podcast, so you can keep going. There was uh, one before this on intrinsic versus extrinsic, so you can go back to the start if you want to go over that. But apart from that, I just want to thank you for coming again today. There's more blogs and podcast episodes. You can direct all to those through the website, www.withjoeby.com. And until tomorrow, just remember, as always, that the best way to open a thousand doors for you is to concentrate on opening doors for others. And hopefully there's intrinsic rewards behind those doors and not extrinsic ones. But let's, we'll measure it a bit and talk about some of the upsides of extrinsic rewards when we come again tomorrow.